And hello, hello. Welcome back to the Gay Racing Podcast. Zach and Alex back with you. We might sound a little bit different. We're recording on recording on Zoom this week. We're throwing it back to when we used to record on Zoom. Um, Alex might sound better than he normally does. We'll have to see. But we are joined today by Matt Weaver for the third time. Only a few people have ever been on the Gay Racing Podcast three times. Matt Weaver is now joining the elite club of the three-timers. Welcome, Matt. Um, how are you doing? What have you been up to? Because last time you were on, you just quit your job. So, <laughs> which, which, which job did I quit? Because I, I think you were, remember. I think you were just starting Racing America, and you're think not so. there. Yeah, because so since, since then I've, I've, quit, I've quit jobs again. Um, this is now uh, three years in a row with with three different jobs for my third appearance on the Gay Racing Podcast. Oh. So everything is rolling in in threes. So. Um, there's there's a lot to unpack, as they say, right? There's a lot to unpack on my end, a lot to unpack on, on you know, the greater motorsports stuff. So yeah. super stoked to be on. I'm, I'm I, I I love you guys. Like seriously, I, I'm so excited to be on and talk racing with y'all. Uh, every chance that I get to do this, it's it's a lot of fun. And I, I think we always go over too, and it's like the longest shows ever. So I. I apologize in advance because I know I'm going to be super long winded. So everyone listening to you guys, uh, thanks for having me on. And sorry for all the uh, technical issues, too. I'm also the reason we're on Zoom. <laughs> well, it's funny that you mentioned like talking about like how motorsports has changed. And we're going to get into that conversation. because We have not had you on since February 2022 before the the Gen 7 or the, as you like to call it, the corn carve right now debuted. So um we've seen like almost two years of this car we have a lot to talk about with that um but so but before we get into you know nascar and current racing what are you up to specifically like who are you working for right now what kind of races have you been to lately this year um just what's going on with you yeah so i i think the way the best way for me to answer that is that i have kind of gone on over the last year and a half kind of a journey of personal discovery and i know that sounds very um that sounds cool it, it, it is kind of cool <laughs> sounds it's, cute <laughs> it, it's, very, um, it's very immersive right like I, I i tried some different things in my life and career um i worked at auto week for gosh i started freelancing there in 2015 was full-time by the end of 2016 and i left there uh, late summer of 21 to join Racing America, which I was very transparent about that job, that it's owned by the cup teams. It's owned by the RTA. They bought Speed 51, the the old short track website, and uh, they wanted to kind of blend their, their short track business with their NASCAR business, and they approached me asking if I wanted to do that. And it was a hard decision because... I was and still am very loyal to the legacy of Auto Week. And there were some things that I, I just could not do at Auto Week. I, I felt like in a lot of ways, um, they were not true to their own brand. Um, there were some things that they've, they've struggled with the last couple of years, too. Um, it just was not a good mix for me, especially with my short track ambitions, wanting to this is not a criticism of auto week. It's just, it did not fit yeah. as I continued to want to build short track scene and do some, some dirt sprint car related things. Um, it was not going to be tenable there. 
and the RTA embraced the fact that I had short track roots and they wanted me to be able to um, to implement my passion and my expertise there. The problem I ran into there was that they're owned by the cup teams and they're the official broadcast partner for all these great events, uh, the ASA and the Snowball Derby and All-American 400. And, and that kind of put me in a box too, to where I was told on multiple occasions, you can't touch this story because we're partners or we're owned by the cup teams. And I respect that. It just didn't work. And I've spent so much of my career um, as a guy that is super authentic. I, I, I try to be super honest with my readers. I, I try to operate within my my version of integrity. And I, I know that not everyone will buy into that vision or that version of my integrity. But I try to be super authentic to myself. And I could not be authentic to myself while I was there. So I, I left in January. and super, super grateful for the opportunity that I had there. I've got no bad words to say about, you know, Colin Smith, the president of RTA Media, Jonathan Marshall, the executive director of the RTA, and the, the year plus that I spent there allowed me to understand better the business of, of NASCAR and racing and, and short track broadcast. So again, nothing critical to say there either. But full circle, this was kind of a two-year self-discovery process. I learned the things that are really important to me, that authenticity, the way that I tell stories, um, the, the sort of the things that I focus on as a storyteller, and better understanding what I wanted to be over the next 10 years. Because when I took the job at the RTA, there was a version of that that maybe I transitioned more long-term towards an executive and be... Um, a greater member of the race team alliance and that was appealing to me then but i've missed journalism i missed mm -hmm. doing my art my journalism so that's the shortest version of, of of my last two years that i think i could tell without going like super in depth but i've landed mm -hmm. at a really cool place now i spent six months freelancing uh primarily for uh sports not over the last two months and had a couple of full-time job offers and was able to really take the time to be able to decide what I wanted to do, weigh a couple of those options together. And I'm super grateful for everyone who reached out and uh, wanted to hire me. <clears throat> and I was able to kind of, to land at a place that sports not, that not only could I do my art on the NASCAR side, and I plan on going back to IndyCar next year. It's been a while uh, since I've been able to do IndyCar um, which is something I'm, I'm passionate about. I just don't have a lot, ha, didn't have a lot of time. But the key part, now I'll, I'll end on this note, is that Sportsnot and their parent company, the Publishers Desk, embraced short track scene. Not only did they allow me to do short track racing, uh, we're going to partner together. We, we've got to work on the details of that, but they want to be a part of short track scene and what I'm doing there on the pavement side and on the dirt side and that's been kind of what the past three years has been about, that I want to do all these different things. And I need a, a partner that would be willing to let me do that diversity, but also do it my way mm -hmm. as, a, as a journalist and storyteller. Yeah. If you're listening and you don't know who Matt Weaver is, you need to. One of the most authentic guys out there. I love. I don't read a lot of articles, but I always try and read yours. 
because they're just always you can tell that you put so much passion into everything you do and i just really respect that yeah and that's really important because there i think it's really easy to become sterile as you mentioned like with a lot of different people that have a lot of influence in the industry you know i like when you were talking about when you worked with the rta you know can't talk about everything and obviously your passions are covering a lot of different stuff so um I would I would add too that I I think this part's super important um, to be any kind of artist, and I think it applies to what you guys do too. To do it well, you have to pour your heart and soul into it. Yeah, and so I mm-hmm. agree. There's one of two things that happens: either one, um, when you when you pour your heart into your your art and your work, um, it 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 has a way of taking a lot from you, like it drains you and if you're not very careful, you can be overly consumed by it and it could take time off your life and it can make you very resentful. And I've got to be very careful not to do that too. But the other side of it is too, is I think sometimes artists fall into the trappings of they do something long enough that they become kind of um, formulaic. They, they, they just get in a routine. And then because of that, either they, they get on, get into autopilot mode and then they no longer try to innovate and create and their intent in their life. And that's not a criticism of them, but sometimes people realize there's other things to life than their work and art, but the work does suffer because then you just kind of fall into those, that autopilot trapping. So all of this is so hard, right? Trying to balance mm-hmm. innovating and creating and, and not falling into those trappings too. It's, it's the artist's dilemma. For sure. And Zach and I, this Thursday, it'll be three years since we uploaded our first episode. Another three, by the way. It'll be three years since we started this. And that's weird. Like, like, like what you said, we are really like, we still enjoy it. We love it so much. But sometimes it's kind of like, how can we like, you know, keep it fresh for the listeners and everything. But honestly, Zach and I, we just like to have fun. And I think that's enough to keep it fresh. It's like if we're just sitting here all monotone and not enjoying yeah. what we're doing it wouldn't be room. enjoyable in a dark room. yeah <laughs> Zach, zach's moving right now so he is in a dark room but yes this is great <laughs> but, but yeah like, dark darlington <laughs> yeah always love what you're too, doing apparently. that's the point but yeah let's talk about southern 500 it got a little dark there but Take that was dark. figured out where's the oreo so, commercial I thought it would make the racing better. You know what? If the spotters are having a hard time seeing in three and four, especially in the first half of the race, which was super procedural, I said, you know what? If it puts everyone at a handicap to where the spotters are kind of having, oh, I'll lose you a little bit. Let them go. (laughs) Larson runs at dirt dark dirt tracks all the time. So does uh, Bowman and so does Byron, all these guys. Let them go. Maybe it's like an obstacle course. My favorite part of that was... When they were asking all the drivers if they wanted to go or not, Harvick said they could, but he would run the bottom. He would run yeah. the bottom. He said, "Hell no, I'm not hitting that wall." Because have fun. If he, and I think he said, "If anyone ran the top, they'd all crash or something." I thought that was very funny. Well, it's funny because uh, Denny, as always, I feel like Denny always has a habit of like saying this, but he was like, "Oh, I'll be fine. I I will be fine. I don't know about you guys, but I'll be fine." He always That's says so that, true. like, on this podcast, he's like, well, I felt fine in the car. I know it was really hot today, but I felt fine in the car. I'm like, all right, Denny, we get it. We get it. Well, <laughs> did TV show what the fans were doing to try to, uh, to pitch not. in? 
No. I don't think so. Were they turning hmm. on their phone flashlights? They all, yeah, they all ran up to the fence and turned on the 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 flash. Oh, that's funny. Phone. It looks like peak. Uh, you know, two thousand two, three with That's the bolt funny. going off, but it was just like this big illumination and oh. three and four. It made no difference. You're you're not going to race because of yeah. that. You see, like all these, just you, you have you have a steady light going all the way around from the front stretch to three, and then you just see these dots. It's just dots That's of lights. That's cute. That's, awesome. That's actually really cute. <laughs> it's very wholesome, right? Yeah, that is so cute. So Kyle Larson finally won the Southern Five Hundred after trying so many times. This is Hendrick's first Southern 500 since 2012. I did not realize it's been that long. I didn't that realize long. that either. That's wow. crazy. That's a big deal, then. So it's Kyle Larson. Yeah, he was in the 48. So Kyle Larson finally, finally gets the finally. Southern 500. Finally. Long time What do we think about that? I mean, Larson's been in contention to win any race at Darlington for, like, ever? Forever. Like, I can't think of a race, five car or 42 car, where he wasn't contending to, like, win. Or at least he was up at the front. I'm probably missing one. But, and, you know, 2018 comes to mind where he dominated. 2019 comes to mind where he was really close. And then, you know, last few years, 2021, I don't even, he was kind of quiet last year, I think. I don't actually remember. But this is, it's a, it was a long time coming. It felt like one of those kind of races, kind of like, what true exit super speedways or an amount of drivers at the Daytona 500 where it felt like they really could just couldn't conquer it for whatever reason. But, you know, Kyle Larson, he's just that driver and he did. And it's kind of the, it's kind of a race that I think captures a lot of his skill, the precision that he was having mm -hmm. to kind of show off riding the wall. Um, Yeah. I mean, and can't really say more than that. Kyle Larson He's having a hell of a year, man. He won the Knoxville Nationals again. He won the Southern 500. He's doing the Indy 500 next year. Like, it's a good time to be Kyle Larson. It's ramping up a little bit, isn't it? Because, like, I mean, on the mm -hmm. cup side, he's been fast. He hasn't been the best, but he's had a lot of bad luck. And I talked about it last week where it's like maybe in the playoffs, you know, the bad luck's gone. He got out of the way, and he's going to come out and start winning and dominating again. And, well, that's what it's looking like. What do you think, Matt? To me, the thing that stands out. So first of all, I, I want to run this by you too. Um, I think sometimes we forget as an industry, I, I, I do until I stop myself and think about it. We forget that this is the Southern 500 because we get so wrapped up in the, playoffs. the start of the playoffs yeah. and, and what it means for the big picture. And so I, I went into my post race with Kyle and, and Cliff and Jeff Andrews, making sure to make a point of, you know, we're we're going to talk about the championship and what this means, advancing, uh, how how it changes the the view of your entire season holistically. But also, this is another crown jewel. It's another crown jewel for Kyle. Um, this is a crown jewel he doesn't have yet, both in NASCAR and in elsewhere in motorsports. But also, and I, I wrote about it on um, on Monday for Sports Knot. Cliff Daniels is now starting to accumulate quite the crown jewel resume yeah. with, with Kyle, right? It started with the, the 600 and having won two all-star races at two different locations and having now won a Southern 500, the cup championship race, you know, Cliff is very good. And it's kind of becoming this Jimmy Johnson, Chad Canals kind of dynamic to where it, it's kind of a chicken or the egg kind of conversation. Did Cliff unlock something in Kyle? Did you know, is, is Kyle making Cliff look good? Is it all because Hendrick Motorsports cars are good? So to me, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that this is an, another major 
for for all of them and I enjoy having the Southern 500 kick off the playoffs because it's fun and it's a great racetrack and it's a really good start. I, mean, I love all the drivers making mistakes, I think. Yeah. Prevents it from being a boring first race. You know what I mean? Like there's right. a storyline coming out yeah. of this race because someone big made a mistake. Like but we don't last we night. didn't lose sight of the fact that, that race should stand on its own. And I always kind right. of back in the day when the race to the chase is what they used to call it, included the Southern 500 and the Bristol night race. Then we started the playoffs. And now both of those races are are in the playoffs. And I think it kind of loses its kind of in a vacuum individualistic notoriety because we get so wrapped up in the playoffs. So I don't want to lose sight of that, as I guess. Yeah, it's a tricky balance. Yeah. 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 The Southern 500, like I know Daytona is still like the Daytona 500 and everything, but the Southern 500 for me is really like the biggest NASCAR race in terms of like that you like really earned it to win it. That's why I just yeah. I respect this race so much. I want to go to it someday, honestly. And like Daytona, it, like, no, you can't really compare them, but they're both clown jewel races. And I feel like I wish sometimes that Darlington, the Southern 500, got more respect on its name as much as Daytona does. But they're two very yeah, different Yeah, or races. even the 600. Yeah. I would think. Yeah. So, so moving the, on here, oh, you want to say? I want to add, yeah, one thing to that. Um, we know the Brickyard is coming back next year. So I'm excited right. to kind of have together all of our crown jewels on one schedule again daytona southern 500 coke 600 the brickyard what i always enjoyed and to me i i include the bristol night race as one of those i, I don't know if there's room for another another jewel we on can the add a, the bristol spring race on concrete <laughs> or Wilkesboro, going to replace it. i don't think we're gonna have two bristol races next year i don't well, let's not break listen, it use if the spring race is on concrete i'm going i said that been... i said that He's full of crap. He's not going to do that if that happens. Well, you're not going to do will. it. The spring race is going to be on the pavement in the high country in North Wilkesboro. You're going to go to North Wilkesboro, Zach? Hell no. Nah. I'm going to get hate crime. Anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I, I want to make this point, though. So what I loved about all the crown jewels mm -hmm. is that they all require a, a different kind of skill yeah, set. Yeah, a skill Say set. That's about. a good, yeah. Yeah, plate racing or... You know, super speedway racing is its own thing. I always thought, even if it wasn't a barn burner kind of race, I thought the Brickyard 400 was such a unique challenge and the way it, it required such utter uh, perfection from pit stops, qualifying. Execution. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. yeah. And the Southern 500 is similar to that, but it's a more racier track. So there's a kind of a survival element to it as well. Yeah the way that you race competitors and the tracks. So I just, I think each of those crown jewels being back is those are the truest tests, in my opinion, of a race team. And if you can win all of those as a driver at some point over your career, to me, that is equivalent to a championship. Right. Cause I'll, I mean, not many drivers have been able to win all four. Like you look who have done it. You have Jimmy Johnson, right? Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> I had, to, I think, yeah, I had to double check. I don't know why I had to question, but you, you mm -hmm. had Jimmy Johnson. You have Jeff Gordon. You have, I think, Kyle Busch has done it. Um, like you know, Kyle Busch hasn't won Daytona. Oh, duh. Well, almost. But still, See, it's like hard to think. Yeah, like trying to win all of them is really difficult. It's a great. Right, so the, the yeah, there's great guys who haven't won all four. Kyle Busch, Tony Stewart, right? So, um, mm -hmm. I like what you say about like each race, kind of, um, 
showing a different kind of trait. And I'm wondering if NASCAR is going to bring back something like the Winston Million now that the Brickyard 400's back, and they should. They might. They might do something. You know. You know. I think about this all the time. I I love the Million and how rare that was. Right to my my gut says there were just two. Right, Bill and and Jeff were those, yeah. were those the only two. Right. Yeah. And, sounds uh, right. I think sometimes we in the NASCAR community sometimes try to oversaturate successful things and try to forge them or manufacture them. What made the Winston Million so cool is that winning four of the five kind of million eligible races was such a hard thing that only Jeff Gordon and Bill Elliott did it. And then they kind of discontinued that program for the the Winston Noble Five, which is kind of similar to today's Dash for Cash in the Xfinity series. And that way there would be some winner every year of the the Winston program because it's a good marketing thing. But as a result, we 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 quit talking about the Winston Million being a thing because it was no longer a program. And I, I think sometimes we have to be willing as an industry to acknowledge that teams are going to come up short in this really important thing like the million because winning those four races are hard. For sure. Now, let's talk about the end of the race here. Kyle Larson did win. He had to hold off both Chris Busher and Tyler Reddick. So this car, Zach and I debated this a few weeks ago, and I said he has recency bias. Um, Zach made the claim a few weeks ago that the Gen 6 car is better than the Gen 7, and he wants the Gen 6 back. basically what he said. Okay, and I did not say I want the Gen 6 back. Let's chill. You said... You I were said pretty close to saying that. I, I, oh, so I was pretty close. So I didn't say it. Thanks. You I want the Xfinity car. That, yeah. I want the Xfinity car back from Saturday. Yeah. Bring it to Sunday. I agree. The I, hell? I, I want the Gen too. Six back. I don't want but, a tie rub every time they sneeze on the right front fender. That's crazy. Not a well, sneeze. Well, we 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 replaced that with broken toe links. Yeah, or much. loose yeah. wheels yeah. with one lug nut. That literally infuriates me. So. I asked on Twitter earlier on the podcast account, uh, what do our listeners want us to talk about this week? And at Big Camaro 56 said they want us to talk about the dirty air problem. Well, let's talk about it. This car, it still has it compared to the last car. The car of right now, what do we need to do, Matt? Like, is it aero speed? Is it the tires? Do we just need to bring in the Xfinity car? Like, shifting? Like, what is it? What do you yes. think? at Darlington. Yes, the answer is yes to all of it. Um... I, I want to be fair to the car because I think the car has some character traits that are worth praise. Like. I I certainly I certainly think this car is an improvement over the 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 five fifty spacer of, of the right. previous car. Um, yeah, we see that at I said last like week. And Zach disagreed with me, but mm -hmm. did I? Yes, you did. I don't know if I really disagreed with that. This car is challenged in very obvious ways when there is just one way, one line around right. the racetrack. And it doesn't matter whether it's a that's what I said. Yeah. Whether it's a short track, whether it's a you know, there there are mile and a half that are really narrow, um, that 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 challenge this car too. But certainly on the short tracks, the high mechanical grip tracks, and I think the challenges are different for each track type. I think that the for the short tracks, um, the big brakes are a big problem. You can drive in so much deeper. And the, the wide contact patch on those tires 
are also problematic. The underbody is problematic. We have the most problems on the short tracks, right? right. The short and flat tracks, yeah. road courses. And so for those, and I, I think that's our biggest problem. I, I think that we can get away with some of the, the challenges that, that do exist on, on the mile and a half and the bigger tracks. But I, I think the number one goal NASCAR should have right now and going into the off season is we need to evaluate what can we realistically do because you can just keep taking um, downforce off the top and the front of the car and that's just not it. It makes it harder to drive, but it doesn't change the wake. And I think so much of that wake problem is because of the underbody. I asked Kyle Bush about it at Michigan and Kyle said, rip the entire underbody off the underwing mm-hmm. and offset that with adding some, some spoiler. Cause you, you, you can either make your downforce under the car or on top of the car. And he says, yeah. rip the underbody off because before where teams made all of their gains and tried to game the system was that, you know, you do things to the underbody. And that was before the optical scanning station. He's like, we have a way now to scan all the, the, the dirty edges under the car. And we, we can police that and we can, we can eliminate so many of the aero problems on short tracks by just ripping the underbody off and, and adding some of that downforce back to the top. I think the tires, I think groove tires, Denny's kind of beat that drum a little bit. I, I love the groove tires idea. Um, those brakes, man, are a problem. The, the, the brakes and the tires, you can just drive so deep in the corner. And the most important thing, then you can shift. You can drive super deep in the corner, even if you somehow miss the corner. Yeah, if you but, make a mistake, then you can correct it. Yeah. So you just yeah. T- grab a gear. And so my biggest frustrations are with the short tracks, flat tracks, uh, road courses to where road courses in general i can't even i there are times where i think Watkins Glen, you can get away with it because the speeds are so fast but really it's a short track and, and road course problem um i still think dirty air is a big problem it's not quite 550 mm-hmm. package bad um it's not that far away though if you ask really me not. no like i feel like i was watching a 550 race at, at michigan too and mm-hmm. i didn't watch the whole race at michigan but you know the frustrating thing though too. It's it's it, I'm so torn. Obviously, I hated NA18D with a burning passion. I've never hated anything in my life, not my career. I've never nothing's ever made my blood boil quite like watching yeah. uh, 550 package races. Like I I felt it in my soul how much I hated it. We saw what it was before, and then they right like, at least with the next gen, it was born as this, so it was a little bit different. Or we watched the race the day before. Yeah, right. that right. Yep. Yeah. I just wish we could have Xfinity cards. I'm with you, Zach. I wish we could just have Xfinity races. I just fun. don't like like everything that you were just talking about breaks and the shifting and the top. Why did we overcomplicate what I feel like should be a really simple thing, which is American stock car racing? Yeah. Well, there's lots of reasons for that. And I, yeah, I, it's easy I for me got, to say. They got too cute by half by trying to reinvent their own will. They wanted to make something that was fundamentally unique and special for manufacturers and they wanted to innovate and sometimes sometimes in the pursuit of evolution all you end up with is change so is the goal still to try and get new manufacturers because we haven't seen that yeah i I, want to say this one thing though the one thing 550 did well and god pains me to say this but i'm trying to be fair the 550 package because of the downforce the overall downforce and the load it produced it did mm-hmm. create really meaningful tire wear 
conversations and battles and strategic yep, decisions. His strategy was That's a big fair. thing. I remember it was that. Fun to watch. That was the one yeah. thing I really did enjoy to watch is being able to break down. It felt like I was watching um uh what what, what is that the the game called the um the motorsports manager series. Oh yeah, motorsport yeah, manager. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I was watching motorsports manager in real time every moment. Yeah. Um, I wish we could have that sort of tire wear and that sort of. I wish we could have that with this car because the problem is we watched Darlington. There was significant tire wear, but the dirty air was so bad that it didn't matter. We had those three different strategies right. where some guys were on one lap for extra tires behind guys who had been out earlier, and the track position mattered still, even with like two seconds of fall off and twenty laps at Darlington. No seconds of fall off at Darlington. No difference. That's crazy. It's Darlington. Insane. Yeah, it's yeah. dirty air, and so I think Darlington could should be treated as a short track. So if we rip the underbody off. <laughs> and raise the spoiler um but that's expensive and then that defeats the purpose of the car so you mentioned you know was this to attract manufacturers alex yeah but also to save money. where are they well that's the, what i'm saying where well, are the they engine, the, the engine's the issue there yeah um i still think there's a pathway to more manufacturers but we need to agree on what that engine platform is going to look like and so the time i'll say this the timing of this car could not have been worse to kind of go back to the RCR thing. Um, because right now the the car, the the auto industry is in this kind of transition phase to where they don't really know what the what the EV or the hybrid technology looks like. And they don't really know how to 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 make a race car that emphasizes the things that they want from a consumer car product. Yeah. And so now we're all in limbo. We have this new car, which by the way, from a competition standpoint, was designed to be a drafting car. Now we're not drafting with it because the right. drivers re revolted before that season began. So from a competition standpoint, we're in limbo. The car is not being raced in the way it was designed to. From an engine and from a manufacturer standpoint, we're in limbo because we should have had a new engine platform by now. And we don't because no one can agree what it looks like. So as a result, the entire Cup Series dynamic is stuck in limbo because we're just stuck racing a car and the engine that nothing is being done the way it was designed for this car was not designed with this engine in mind this car was not designed to be anything other than a drafting car a mile and a half so we're just existing and oh by the way any short-term fixes that we try to apply whether it's the short track horsepower aero body that all cost money with a car that was designed not to cost the teams additional money. So we're all just stuck in the, the super limbo in every facet imaginable. And we're stuck. We're just. So Toyota had a really good night last night in the Southern 500. They led over 300 of the 367 laps. Um, mainly it was Denny Hanlon. We saw a little bit of Tyler Reddick, but as kind of always, you know, it's a long race. Only two Toyotas finished in the top 10. So, and we have a lot to talk about with Truex. Truex was kind of missing in action last night. Where was Truex, number one? Um, was he? It was well, weird. He still beat my fantasy pick, so. He did. I I picked oh, Truex and wheels. you had Denny. The loose wheels would happen to, to Martin. Yeah. Oh, is it? I didn't know that. Yeah, had a loose left rear and he had to come back down for a second stop. And then he lost a lap. And... Right, I do remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that then right. he was just stuck but, in the back. Mm -hmm. That's insane. So Darlington. both Zach and I's wow. fantasy picks, loose wheels. Interesting. But yeah, Martin Truex just nowhere. Still beat Zach in fantasy. Thank you, Martin. And Denny Hamlin dominated. 
again, loose wheel. Then he got involved in that incident with the 38 yeah. and the 34. He didn't get any damage from that, but just a weird night for Toyota. And then you add in Christopher Bell, just a disaster. Like what happened with the 20 team? They are only plus one over the cut line in the playoffs. And they, they continue to do this thing every playoff, it seems. They just put themselves in this position last year specifically. Mm-hmm. They are always in, they put themselves in a hole, then they got to win to make it through. They did that twice last year. They managed to make it the championship four. But they're doing that again. They need to figure out this consistency thing. So I guess, Matt, let's start with Truex and Denny. Just looks like I thought they were the favorites going into this. Denny obviously had the car, but yeah. loose wheels. Yeah, I think, listen, that's what makes cup racing so dynamic, right? It's not run in the most straightforward of fashions. And no matter what kind of strategic decisions you make, you're going to have to deviate. And and we saw that uh, with the Ty Gibbs and was it Cendric? Cendric and Gibbs that had the the argy-bargy? I think so. Yeah, yeah, and that kind of created... Th- those three little splinter um, strategies and you know the the track position is so important that you can have a really great car and it just doesn't matter I, I I think the really impressive drive was actually Chastain Chastain lost the lap early true and didn't even look like he had the speed but to me it goes back to again you, know, you just have to find some way to get the track position because the speed doesn't matter when you get stuck back there and then he was able to get the track position and he's stuck inside the top five finished fifth and so we can talk all day long about, you know, speed and, you know, what the timing charts show and the 10, 15, 25 lap averages. And it's a, it's a completely different ball game. And you have 30 cars out there and, and what that dirty air we talked about kind of does. And this is no, this is no revelation, but these races come down to execution on pit road and whether it's, uh, having your your fast stop not making a mistake with with the loose wheels that that ultimately played hamlin and got him back there in position to be involved in the wreck and truex and once he lost that track position he had to finish 17th i'll give you a great example uh byron byron qualified very poorly had a really good car on speed and it showed in the practice charts too long run speed the car was there and I posted a video with William, if you want to go back and let him kind of explain it in a better way than I could. I asked him, I'm like, what is it like when you know you have a fast car based on practice? We saw it, but you qualify back there. What kind of grind is it to be able to get your track position back? And he explained all the ways that it challenges a driver and it forces you to try to run lines that are not comfortable. And so all these guys that we talk about that have speed, pure speed and by the way everyone's got speed um i don't even know what speed even means with the the next gen car because everyone is so darn close um that's 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 the thing right like like we see a huge a larger greater deviation today between what the speed charts show us and then the results on sunday and that's not even entirely because of attrition um, it's purely just because of execution, primarily on pit road. That is so important. I think the most impressive thing was, um, I can't remember the name of the rear tire changer now, but on the 17 car caught fire and the car is literally spitting fire at his face. Granted, he's got the helmet on the fire suit, but dude doesn't even flinch. And he just, you know, keeps doing the job and putting the tire on, did not give up a fraction of a second and they wow. finished third. 
Um, so if you go back and, and look that up, everyone look it up on on Twitter, formerly the artist formerly known as Twitter X, um, Busher Pit Stop Fire, and you'll see the the rear tire changer never flinched. And I think that got them a top five because that that's something that could have cost them a three tenths of a second on pit road, and there's two spots, three spots. Right. That's what these races are decided anything. by. And that could mean everything in the playoffs too. Like that's it's crazy, but. To go back to Toyota really quick, they led 307 of 367 laps. And I want to shout out Bubba Wallace really quick because I think he had a race that he would not have had a while ago. And I've said that before about Bubba Wallace. He's getting a lot better at being able to complete races. Uh, he spun at the end of that one stage and they had that slow pit stop. Still managed to finish seventh. And I know a lot of people had him out in the first round of the playoffs, but he has Kansas coming up. That's probably his best track. He won there a year ago. And I got to give him kudos, man, because Bubba's getting better. He really is. I don't know if he can compete for a championship necessarily, but like I think he could at least go to the next round. And I think he does a lot of praise for how he handled this race, because like I said, I don't think a year ago, I think he just would have had a like a, emotionally let it get to him. And then he probably would have finished in the 20s. So really good job from him. What impressed mentioned... me about Bubba? Yeah, what, what impressed yeah. me about Bubba was that I, I thought his race could have been derailed bad because he screwed up. And he he knew yep. immediately all the ways he screwed up. Um, he was he was he was. I feel so uncomfortable talking about. I was I was about to kind of instinctively say Bubba was in his own head in his own head, and I hate even bringing that up because that's kind of a topic of conversation with him all the time, and it feels like I'm saying it dismissively, and I'm not. But Bubba was down on himself in ways that we know he can be, and mm -hmm. I thought I thought the way that Booty. And Freddie handled that was so interesting because yeah. in real time, they said, Bubba, you didn't listen. Like Bubba's like, you know, I screwed up. Sorry, guys. And they were like, you need to listen to us. And I'm like, man, Bubba's going to hear this kind of tough love and it's going to kind of derail his race and he can't come back from it because of that. We've seen over and over again that sometimes he starts to overthink things or when he faces that adversity, it can derail their race. But what Booty then said was, is it's early, it's lap 50, whatever it was. Um, he said, you know, it's all good in the hood. It's a long race. Nothing's changed. No damage. You're fine. And Bubba says, okay, we'll tell Joey, my bad. We're going to be okay, though. And I'm like, okay. That was actually a different Bubba Wallace in that moment. Um, he, he got it out and and just simply says, relay that message to Joey heads on straight. Sorry, guys. And that's not how he would have handled it. Even six months, a year ago, I think making the playoffs and, and taking that pressure off, we know yeah. there, was pressure, there was pressure. He talked about it. Right. I think that actually helped him. I think he's like, we're playing with house money now. We're in and whatever happens, happens. That was our goal this season. We've, we've accomplished our goal and anything beyond that's money. That's a good way to look at it, I think. I agree. And with Bubba, he managed to overcome the two road courses right before Daytona. And like we were talking about, like if he just has to get through that, then I think he'd be good as long as we don't get a new winner. And that's exactly what happened. And again, like you said, I don't even think six months ago, a year ago, he could have done that. Um, something else I wanted to bring up, as you mentioned, Ross Chastain, like just like Truex, who's kind of nowhere to be seen. Then he gets his first top five since Nashville. And he's a guy, someone who a lot of people had a lot out in the first round. Finishes like that help, but no stage points. It's not helpful for him. I'm curious to see how he does in these next few races. Um, something else I want to talk about, though, 
is Kevin Harvick. He was looking like he was about to start leading this race and maybe heading to a win until the incident where Tyler Reddick was trying to come down to the pits and Ryan Newman's behind him. Newman has to like spin himself out, I think, to not just drive right into Tyler Reddick because Reddick slowed down last minute. It was a weird situation. Over, yeah, I think then, Reddick was trying to cover off the four literally into pit road. That, like, yeah, it was weird panic move that, you know, someone like Tyler Reddick normally would not make. But yeah, yeah so he, he said that yeah. after the race, too. That's what he told us. He said that uh, he okay. saw the four go down and that he was like, that was our race. And even Rodney, uh, I talked to Rodney after the race, Childers, the four crew chief. And Rodney was like, I've been in crew chief Billy Scott's position before. And he's like, when that happens, you just have to hit the next lap and and race it out. Like it it, it was done. It was decided. And, and they did something they shouldn't have done. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah, and then it screwed because them they too, right? It screwed everyone. Yeah, because they wouldn't have gotten a penalty if they just drove through the, the pit lane, right? If so they, what happened? They only got the penalty because they yeah. actually pit. Yeah, so this was a very last second thing too. So I talked to Rodney about that too, and Rodney said that what he thinks happened is that Timmy Fedua, um thought they were clear on the on the caution oh, light and so thought they had made it down pit road in time. So, so in, in that they have like. 10 seconds to right. decide or are we going to commit to what we've decided to do and we're going to pit here or whatever and so rodney's like if we we don't pit and we we drive through our pit stall and we realize that we did make the the light in time we gave up the lead and yeah, so right. in real time where they thought they had the lead they had to commit because that was a chance to to have that that super important track position it was a no-win scenario i mean really i think people are kind of criticizing rodney and and, and timmy in real time but they had l- literally 10 seconds nascar is not telling them in 10 seconds whether or not they did they have to review it um so, so fita was doing the best that he can to go I, I think they made it rodney has 10 seconds to go try to find the video himself or for the team to shoot that over right and so they were just like i think we're good let's pit that's that's if 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 they do that, they're the leaders. And so it's a no-win right. scenario. They either pit and they didn't make the line, they're penalized, or they drive right past their stall and they're effectively penalized because they would have been the leader. See, that makes a lot more sense now because watching on TV, it's just like, well, obviously you don't do this and you don't do that, but you actually do this. It's just like, we have the replays, we have the commentary, they don't the have angles. It's all them. Yeah, yeah right. we have different angles, yeah. I'm pretty sure TV yeah. didn't have that in 10 seconds either, too. That's the other thing, too. Right, like, exactly. Like, when I'm, when I'm watching on the monitor, you know, NBC or USA comes back, and within maybe a minute, they're like, well, that's going to be a penalty. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you had 60 seconds to to reach that conclusion and, and then tell tell the fans that they also had, you know, 60 seconds to reach that conclusion. Rodney, Timmy, Kevin, they have they have 10 seconds. <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of information and video to process in 10 seconds when your driver is literally coming down pit pit road trying to realize do I turn left or do I not? Sure. Another thing that was a lot of chatter last night on social media was the Daniel Suarez and Alex Bowman incident. Zach and I were arguing about this last night. Yeah. So I'm curious if you've changed your mind at all on this, Zach, or not. Because I, I haven't. I haven't, I haven't either because in my, because we were basically arguing, I think we agree in some parts, Alex, but like we, 
Like, I think Alex Bowman has to throw that block. I mean, we talked, I mean, that was a track position race. I know it's the Southern 500. I know it's supposed to be a long race. That was pretty late in the game. You have to throw that block. It doesn't matter if they're not in the playoffs. Uh, that's mm-hmm. just, they're still racing for position. And I don't, I don't have a problem with the one block. Now, what, what gets me and what I still don't really understand is when the 48 went back up the track to the right. Is that the 99 into the back bumper of the 48 and like Bowman's kind of out of control? Or is that Bowman making a decision to go back up the track and block him again? Because I think that's egregious if it's Bowman in control. If it's not Bowman in control, then that's just self-policing, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, I just don't really understand like what happened. I don't think yeah. I don't think any of us do. I think really Alex is the only guy that could tell us for sure. Because what he told us after the race was, or after he was released from infield care, is that he intended the first block. Yeah. And so I would say objectively, the the modern cup series, they're basically truck series racing. It's all momentum. So yeah. you, you see these big blocks on tracks like this now because they have to maintain their momentum. I objectively do not take any exception to the first block. I can understand why why Daniel would take exception to it. It's late in the mm-hmm. race and everyone's been blocking each other. And even Alex said, I've been blocked all race too. And, and those are the rules. That's just the racing now. Right. So, then, so then this comes down to the second block and whether or not you believe it was an intentional block. Alex maintains he made one move. And when he went back up to make the corner because you can't make your corner from down there. Well, yeah. So then you have to go back up to make the corner and Daniel who was blocked also went up because he was blocked, but also to make the corner. Yeah. And so then you, we all have to have to ask ourselves, do we think that was a second block or was that simply Alex trying to make the corner? Is it somewhere a little of both? I think that's the part that we all have to be the judge. See, on. I called it a racing incident because it's a very Bowman, aggressive racing incident. It's, I mean, yeah, it's a very like, aggressive. If it well, is. here's the thing that was Bowman being aggressive. That was an mm-hmm. aggressive block, but it's not really like something we should criticize him for. If you ask me, because that's NASCAR racing. Yeah, I think my problem with it is it was like over aggressive when they're not really fighting for a lot. I mean, he was fifth or sixth, right? And there was still a bit fifth of fifth or sixth in go. the Southern 500. With 40 to go, yeah. and like they're not going to be like, able to pass it. for the rest of that run? Yeah, you block. I'm sorry, Alex. I, you have to block I, that. I do get it, but you have to make the corner, so I think Bowman was just setting himself up to wreck there, quite honestly. Well, I yeah, he just... did. But yeah, I, I think, again, objectively, I think they both got hot-headed, and so like we, we can for justify sure. the need to block Daniel low. We can justify that making Daniel mad late in the race when he's been blocked multiple times and Alex has blocked multiple times too, where I think the, the deviation from objective into subjective begins is that Daniel then has a choice to whether he, he breaks his own momentum and that he lets it go. And I can, I can subjectively justify why he did not lift. I understand it, but, but also too, I think, you're putting yourself, if you're Daniel, you're putting yourself in a bad spot because you, you wrecked yourself. Yeah. And to me, mm. this goes back to um, 
I forget where was it was in New Hampshire where he was leading on old tires and and Hamlin was on fresher tires and he came back to to pass him and Hamlin was the first guy to, to get him when he was the leader and Daniel blocked big which is kind of funny to me because this whole thing's over blocking but again it's just cup racing you block um I think sometimes Daniel to prove a point or to try to hold on to every little bit that he can get puts himself in bad positions he's a hell of a race car driver I'm not criticizing him Frankie got mad at me a spotter Frankie got mad at me for what I said at New Hampshire not criticizing it but sometimes the results do have to dictate the process and Daniel kind of twice there put himself in a position to where the result was negatively influenced because he felt adamant. Now, I will say to Daniel's credit, sometimes you have to send the message that if you block me, this is kind of like Tony Stewart, right? For years, Tony Stewart had a, had a blanket policy. You block me once, whatever happens, happens. And what people learned racing with Tony is that that is the one guy you absolutely knew, do not block under any circumstance because you don't get a second chance at it. So maybe this is part of a longer play, that if Daniel Suarez establishes the reputation right now that you do not block me, it paves an easier path down the yeah. road for him in future races. And so I, I think it's yeah. super important that we don't look at everything. Um, we don't isolate everything into one circumstance because what does this mean for the way that others race him down the road, knowing that Daniel's not going to lift, Daniel's not going to let it right. slide. That that has repercussions down the road. It reminds me of when Brad Kozlowski turned William Byron at Daytona practice because he threw a block, Byron threw a block on him. In practice, and Brad was like, "Nope, this isn't happening anymore." Absolutely not. Policy. Everyone, take note. In practice, that's that's what that kind of reminded me of, and and I mean that's why the drivers there's value in letting these drivers kind of police themselves, stuff like this. And again, that's just kind of why I call it a racing incident. I mean, it's just this is between mm-hmm. Alex and Daniel, and they both wrecked each other out of the race, and not optimal, but I think they both know what to do going forward. And yes, one more thing there, too, to... as I think mm-hmm. there's frustration that they had really good runs going, the possibility of a really good race in a season yeah. that has had so much not yeah. go their way. Right. And I think both of each, both of them calling each other dumb and all that stuff, it's super important not to get sucked into words have meaning, but it's like recognize both guys are super frustrated. They had a chance to to have really nice days and they're just they're just mad. Oh, yeah. And we love it. Blake is mad. We love it. Yeah, me too. It but, seems like they don't, don't really it. like each other either. What's that? I, I said it doesn't seem like they really like each other either. Like that, there was probably more tension from before this that really built up to why these blocks yeah. were the way they were, maybe. And probably the just the way they've raced each other before that we just haven't heard about. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because there were somebody... some comments after as well that were kind of like, he flipped me off in the airport. He did that. It's just like there's some there's tension between these two teams, right. not just the drivers. So really interesting. Yeah. If we look at his teammate Ross Chastain kind of transitioning, um, Chastain's back. I think he went on vacation, but he's back. Got yeah, his we first talk- top five since Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, we mentioned that, and I I just with Chastain and Trackhouse, like I just don't I don't know if I trust that. You know, like they were just nowhere to be seen, and we talked about it earlier. Just with the, uh, I don't know. Trackhouse is very interesting. I'm not sure if they can put together a full ten race run like they did last year to make it the championship four with Chastain. I don't know. 
Yeah, I'm not too then, surprised though, because I feel like Darlington's a pretty good track for him. But right, you know, it's, it's, it's Ross. I I struggle with Ross because I remember for all of last season, uh, the first half of the regular season this year, I I dubbed him the main character of the next gen era, and whether mm. it was because he was winning races, running up front or antagonizing the field he was always in the mix and everyone associated with track house and the one team deny that this narrative has any merit but ever since the 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 conversation to whatever extent it was with rick hendrick there is a different approach from ross and ross has kind of toned down the aggression level to some degree i feel like he's had to reinvent the way he drives which yeah. is kind of and I'm not know. sure it's working. Right. I mean and l- people can l- say, oh you know. well, the car, we, we need to give him a better car. And, and it's gonna be more of that than anything else. But what say what you will about Ross Chastain. He had bad cars at times last year, and he just drove the piss out of them, and he would take some of his worst cars to really good results. He'd piss off a lot of people along the way. And so I, I just I, I wonder what the balance act is going to be, especially now in the playoffs, where you would think the old Ross Chastain has to 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 live, find that headspace to be the guy to get back to the final four, because I don't think the the diet Ross Chastain model no. is the one that he needs moving forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, Joey Logano and, is a two time NASCAR champion, and he is the the poster point. boy for that style of win at all costs, right? Like. I mm-hmm. I think with that in mind, you know, who cares what they think about you? Because you can you have the potential to hold a trophy, and that's what you're there to do. They don't that's ask it. how; they ask how many. Yep. And Ooh. earlier this year, Zach, we nice. called Ross Chastain the villain without power, and then he won Nashville, and then we said the villain has found his power, and then well, he lost it again. Like we said, he just <laughs> hasn't been there; he lost it again. That's a special and... reunion episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The reunion chapter. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if he can figure that out. Yeah. Uh, someone else I want to talk about before we wrap up this segment is Carson Hosevar. Carson Hosevar. 17th in that 42 car. Oh, my God. What a slay. Awesome. Slay of the week, Carson like Hosevar. I love him. Slay of the week, 100%. Like, that 42 car has been garbage. Last year, this year, 17. That's the best finish for that car that's not on a super speedway. That's crazy. Really cool. What do you think about that, Matt? The caveat there is that that EJ had a really good run again, too. And, of course, they won the race. Eric won the race last year. Um, They have a good package there. They have have a good notebook, a good Mm -hmm. platform. So it's another good race for Carson after what he did in the Spire Spire 7. Um, I've I've always been big on Carson. I've Obviously, I've done a pod, a podcast with Carson. I've known him since he was 13 years old in late models. I, I, I have always seen the ceiling. And despite always seeing the ceiling, I've also acknowledged and recognized all the ways that he needed to mature. Um, for him, it's so hard. It's kind of a, a version of Ross Chastain, too, where you want the guy to be authentic. We want the guy to, to never second guess any element at the racetrack. Cause when you start second guessing one part of your, your approach, then you start second guessing everything. And then you're no longer uh, using all the muscle memory that makes you good at whatever it is that you do. 
Um, so it, it's been a challenge for Carson to reinvent himself this year. And I think having uh, Phil Gold as crew chief on the truck series side is super beneficial. Um, having Ross, the guy that's kind of had to reinvent himself too as a mentor, uh, being under his his management team is super valuable. If there if there are if there is anyone that I would trust to help Carson navigate reinventing himself as a larger racing ambassador and a race car driver, it's Ross Chastain, and it seems to have done wonders. And so he's coming into his own. Um, I want to see what it's like at, at Kansas and Bristol, some of the places where maybe you know legacy has not gone well. Uh, they're a lame duck before they go to Toyota. But again, I've, I've always been a believer in Carson Hosevar's raw potential and the upside. And um, this this doesn't surprise me at all. Well, I'll see one other thing, too. But one more thing is that I think for him going from trucks and having very little Xfinity experience has actually been a benefit, too. I yeah. think right now, the current NASCAR Wait, dynamic, those truck series... Yeah. yeah, it's way more valuable to what you do on the Cup Series side. Yep. It really surprised me just because he has so little experience in Cup. Yeah, for and a race that just... long, too. I mean, it's the Yeah, and it's with the like, team. Yeah. yeah, like the team. But you do mention, like, Eric Jones. He has been really good there and everything. So, really cool. And it's going to be fun to watch him in Cup next year, I would assume. That's what all the rumors are saying. So, yeah. So, really quick, let's talk about the playoff points how they're looking the little cut line uh, Logano is plus three not a great night for team Penske quite honestly Bell is plus one then you have the cut line then it's Wallace minus one Harvick minus two Stenhouse minus four not as far back as I thought Stenhouse would be and Michael McDowell is minus 16 by the way my championship my first four out I'm only missing Blaney of the four that are underneath at the moment yeah. Uh, Matt, who did you have out for your first four? If you my first four out, my 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 big one was Chastain, and the only yeah. it's not that I, I thought that they're not good enough. I just thought that one, the recent trends indicate oh, that they yeah. haven't been around. But I also I always try to include. It's kind of because I, I don't want to pick the obvious things. I, I want to try to be yeah. That's what, yeah, that makes sense. Who, who, who's gonna have bad luck? And I, I thought to myself a third of the way through the race, oh, there's the bad luck that I predicted. So I had Chastain out. I had. Um, McDowell out. I had Wallace out, and was it Stenhouse? Else? Below the cut line. Stenhouse? No, I had Stenhouse advancing. All right, that was, All right big dog. It was kind of both ways, right? So it was, um, I had Stenhouse and Chastain out. So who else would I have had out in that first round? Was it Harvick or Bush? Or I'm holding, I'm literally holding my phone and I, I, I tweet out my predictions. I can just tell you right now. Who else? Um, who else? I was, I was afraid to pull out the phone. It must have been someone wild. Um, I'll just go ahead and read here what I've got. I tweet a lot, by the way, during, during races. Who else would he? Was it a Toyota like Reddick? Here it is. Okay. So I had, um, I had to cross it here. Uh, did I have Bush in? I had Bush in. I had, oh, I had, oh, I had Harvick out. That was the okay. big one. I All did right. have Harvick out. It was just a surprise to me. I'm like, Harvick? And yeah, Harvick. Because I, 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 I saw the potential for what would happen. What actually did happen on 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 Sunday yeah. that they have to have perfect races. They 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 have yep. such a razor thin margin of error that even if they have what they've done all year 
all year round, which is like run in the top 10, that's yeah. no longer enough. Finish seventh. Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. just have to score. They have to maximize stage points. And and I'll, I'll say this too. Everyone everyone offset whatever gains they made. There were, there were people like Denning who scored stage points, maximum stage points, didn't get the result. Uh, there, were, there were drivers right. like Chastain who maximized their end result didn't get the stage points. So everyone was just kind of in the middle. No one actually like separated themselves for the good or for bad, except for McDowell who had an abysmal day altogether, but everyone else kind of just added points, lost points, lost points, added points. Yeah. Right. And headed into Kansas, the same reason I have Harvick out is everything you just mentioned, but it's also the reason I have Bubba Wallace making it into the next rounds because Kansas is coming up. I think he just needed to have a clean race and that he did. And going into Kansas, I feel like the bottom four is probably going to stay the same unless Stenhouse and McDowell have some magic setup coming up. And then I, those last two spots are going to be really interesting because, you know, Harvick could have a really good race again. But as you said, he needs to be perfect. I don't know if they can do that. And Toyota is going to be really strong there as well. Uh, do we have any other thoughts on the playoffs heading into Kansas before we take a break? No, it's... It's, it's hard to kind of get a gauge until we get to the elimination race, I think, because I mean, honestly, right now sure. it's basically even, you know, um, but yeah, mm-hmm. um, again, I love how the Southern 500 opens the playoffs because, you know, people who were supposed to have really good nights did not have good nights. So it makes it a little bit more interesting. All right. So we'll go ahead and take a break and we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk about um, a little bit more with Matt Weaver. We're going to talk about SRX um, because we didn't get the chance to talk about that with him yet. And some other questions and our special guest question that he never got to answer. You've been on here three times now, but you never got to answer our guest question because we didn't have it when you were last on. So we'll do that right after the break. And welcome back to the Gay Racing Podcast. We're still here with Matt Weaver. So, Matt, I want to talk about the current state of motorsports, how we feeling about everything, because you cover pretty much everything you talked about it earlier. Just... How are you feeling about motorsport in general right now? Are you happy with it? Are you satisfied? Are you anything? What are your thoughts just in general? Just state of the motorsport world. There are always challenges for a sport that is inherently as expensive as this one. No other no other sport in the world has the kind of overhead that driving million-dollar cars do, right? Um, mm-hmm. but I, I also think that after a, a brief kind of downturn and in interest is kind of steadied. I don't think we're like in the nineties peak era of motorsports where it seemed like everything was just buzzing, you know, NASCAR, IndyCar, you know, both you know, cart and IRL, um, kind of funny people, people remember the IRL as being this kind of flawed thing, but God, I, I'm sure the modern IndyCar would love to have the sort of business the IRL had back then. World of Outlaws was on TNN for select events. Um, Formula One had a, a really interesting niche even back then. Um, short track racing with with RJ Reynolds and and Winston was doing really good business for for weekly racers. And so I'm not I'm not going to sit here and be as intellectually dishonest to indicate that we're there because we're not, and it's just a different world. But I think streaming has changed 
the the potential, the modern potential for motorsports holistically, especially on the fringes, you know, beyond the mainstream, NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, NHRA. Um, I think that we have the the means and the ability to consume a greater array of motorsports in ways that we've never been able to before. And because of that, um, the mainstream stars are able to go run other things in a way that, that raises the, the maximum potential too, whether it's Larson and dirt uh, Bowman before he got hurt Byron uh, Larson's going to go run the Indianapolis 500 next year. Um, the, the, the crossover dynamic is something we, we track houses project 91 right i mean we have kimi and svg right. and that's my favorite part about motorsports is that we are no longer um the, the tribalism does not exist in ways that it did in previous generations and that is my favorite part and i think that we're all working together as a global motorsports community to to grow each other as opposed to try to defeat each other because we realized as an as an industry whether your your primary love is nascar dirt open wheel whatever that these other disciplines are not your number one enemy when it comes to um things that could could offset that growth or, or hurt the potential of motorsports it's other forms of entertainment it's other sports um, it's whatever things that you could find to do on on, on your phones, um, video games, emerging new technology. That's that's the the enemy, quote unquote, of, of mm. motorsports on the whole. And I think that the moment that everyone in racing realized that we should be helping each other, that's the moment that the growth potential was raised. And it's really exciting to be in this era to where next year I will cover. This is just a very small sample size version of this i will cover next year knock on wood um kyle larson at uh maybe chili bowl i know he's not doing the chili bowl right now but maybe chili bowl nascar the indy 500 the knoxville nationals uh dirt late models um that to me is very cool uh byron's mm. gonna do stock cars nascar short track racing um, I don't know if Kimi's going to come back over next year, but just that sort of crossover is so cool. We can now celebrate racing holistically across the world. Right. And that's why I wanted to bring up SRX because SRX has just really become such a collaboration of different racing disciplines. And it's also just a celebration of racing, specifically short track racing. And that's really your specialty as well. And it was SRX. It's just, it's really cool. I just, I love it. I know Zach's not like the biggest fan of it, but it, I think you have to like really come from like a short track background to really appreciate what it does. And with everything you said there, let's just like, we have all these different collaborations happening in NASCAR and we have like hell and over in IndyCar, they had a supercars champion come over. You've had Jimmy Johnson race over there as well. It, it's just really cool. And Augustine Canapino, also of an IndyCar, also came over from Argentina. Like, there's a lot of cool collaborations happening. And that used to only be like an IMSA thing, but now it's kind of like a everything in motorsport. And but SRX, like you and I were there for the finale for SRX. We went to most of the races that they had this year. And with SRX, it's just where did they go 
from here? That was a question you and I discussed yeah. at the track. And I'm not sure where they go because there's so many different avenues they could go. There was that report that they might be having a race over in like Saudi Arabia or maybe somewhere just in the Middle East somewhere sometime later this year. I feel like that's a little weird. Just curious, like, where are you thinking now that we've, we're a few races out from the season of SRX ending? And at that night, you were like teary eyed. You were telling me, I'm about to start crying because you didn't want these vibes to end. And just where should SRX go, in your opinion, from here? Well, first, I want to say that um, my, the way that I, I have viewed SRX has changed over the last couple of years as I've kind of understood its identity, but also as it's probably tried to craft its own identity. The thing that made me very sad that it was over is is me realizing why I enjoyed it. And I cover so much high-intensity motorsports to where the stakes are so high, whether it's the the intensity of the playoffs, the Indy 500, uh, the Knoxville Nationals, Chili Bowl, all these like big deal races to where everyone's entire blood, sweat, tears, their everything is poured into the results of that race that it was so nice to go into a high-level roster event to where it didn't matter. And I think sometimes the disconnect with SRX is that when SRX tells you and the drivers tell you, this is a messaging problem, I think, that it doesn't matter. It's easy to kind of dismiss it and be like, well, if it doesn't matter, then why am I invested? And that's a fair response. Like, cause I, I wrestled with that too. I'm like, well, if this is no longer kind of I rock and this is not something to be treated with that same sort of celebrity, then what is it? And I think doing a majority of the schedule this year, after doing kind of one or two offs the first two years, I now understand. And I wish that I could share mm-hmm. that understanding because what I've learned is it doesn't matter in all the best ways. It is just Tony Stewart, Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, Haley Deegan, Ernie Francis, Paul Tracy briefly, <laughs> Kenny Schrader, <laughs> all these guys celebrating their love for racing. And there is no pretense um, outside of Paul Tracy. There is no animosity or tension. It is just we are going to go back to our roots. And by roots, I don't mean going to short tracks or dirt tracks, but by roots, I mean going back to being a a 12-year-old in a go-kart and you're just there with your friends and your family, you yeah. hot dog and hamburger and Coke later. And it doesn't matter that I finished six, that I was off the lead lap. All that mattered is, is I love being in a garage area with my friends and people who share this passion that I have. And that's all that matters in SRX. And I did not fully understand that until this year, being able to do week after week and talking with everyone, because that's how they feel too. That if uh, Brad Keselowski had a bad day um, that cost him the championship at Motor Mile, that's what I was thinking, it was Motor Mile where he got spun by Bush. Um, there was a moment where he was like, oh, I'm mad. I I should I had that race won. And you could tell fiery Cup Series Brad was about to come out. And then light bell, uh, alarm bell, light bulb goes off. And he's like, 
this is SRS. Why am I mad? <laughs> this is silly. It's fun. I didn't have a spot or whatever. Let's go have a Coke. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's yeah, right. This right. doesn't matter. Calm down. Have fun. We're racing just for the sake of racing. And that's that's so rewarding to me. For sure. And, and you mentioned it's just like, what is the point of it? I think that's something that, Zach, maybe you can talk about that a bit. It's just, it's sometimes for some people it might lack the interest it's just like why should i watch if there's no real stakes in mind and zach you kind of talked about that a few weeks ago yeah because my what i'm almost worried about is that this is going to fizzle out because nothing it's going to get stagnant it's going to not drive new interest into it because again it's just like for someone like me who doesn't connect as much to the short track culture why do I watch this? Why would I want to watch this when I can just watch these guys race for reels on Sunday? So that was kind of my issue with it. You're right. You're 100% right. And I know (laughs) I, I I, I share those concerns. And did I, did I, did I, did I mention that at, um, at, uh, uh, Lucas oil? I can't, I can't even remember which track I was. I, I think I mentioned that same thing is I don't know. I don't know what its long-term viability is because I recognize Mm -hmm. that it's a hard sell um, to a casual audience. Um, And I think that's why any sort of conversation about international is something that's going to kind of change the game for them because they have high level investors Um, endeavor, which owns UFC and, and WWE, they they've bought into the company now, um, to be wow. kind of co-owners with Tony and and Ray and the Montag group. Um, it's hard to get the Cup Series or IndyCar to find room on its schedule to go someplace really wild and crazy, whether it's somewhere in the Middle East or whether it's Europe, because there's so many other considerations. Um, with SRX, these are all completely identical cars. You can just ship them. It doesn't matter how long it takes because there's not a season. It's six weeks during the summer. And so I, I think that for them, they can find a viable business model of being, we're going to take American style racing and the American racing culture. Um, I'll put it to you this way. The first three seasons were, we're going to take high level the high-level NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA racing culture to places that don't already have it, like Five Flag Speedway, like Berlin Raceway, like Salem. So what is a natural extension of that? Where else do you not consume the high-level American racing culture? Well, that could be somewhere in Japan, somewhere in the Middle East, somewhere in Europe. So that's kind of a natural extension of that. But it's also one that makes money. That's interesting. If you go that direction where... I like that direction. There there are lots of lucrative deals to be made when you take an American product overseas. That's always been that that's why, you know, AEW wrestling had a big show in London. Major League Baseball had the Cubs and Cardinals, my Chicago Cubs in London. That's why WWE has those deals in the Middle East. People want to consume that American product elsewhere. And so there's some there's a viable business model to do that. But that still doesn't address your your core concerns, Zach, of what does that mean for the six weeks in the summer? Um, because we've now done this for three years. And as much as I enjoy it, I'm a hardcore racing junkie who loves going to these types of tracks. And 
is that viable? What What is the next step for the the American version of that product? And I, I still don't know. And that's probably yeah. the question there. And maybe it's just as simple as they want Jeff Gordon and Dale Jr. If you know that's the place where you can still watch Jeff Gordon and Dale Jr. race next year, if, if Hawk can get that deal done, that's a, that's a draw. If you have Dale Jr. running for six weeks, <laughs> that, that's going to take care of itself. So maybe right. that's the next stage of, of its evolution. But from an identity standpoint, it's got to evolve because I think these first three seasons have kind of we've played that string out and short of having the place that Dale Jr. runs. I don't know what the next step is. It's a fair question. Yeah, that was a great answer. Thanks for that, Matt. So do you have any other questions for Matt, Zach, before we I get to our guest question? I don't think so. Because I think we got a lot of good stuff there. And thank you again for joining us, Matt. I'm like, sorry for, again for being so long-winded. I, I, I sabotage oh, all of your shows and you keep bringing me back for some inexplicable <laughs> reason. You're not sabotaging them. Um, so we have a guest hostage. question. Alex so sabotages little... the show every week by letting me come back on. Yeah, Zach almost got replaced last week. Yeah, I was getting a little fruity with some of the stuff I was saying about Bowman and Byron. Got a, but anyways, got um, a little too gay. But yes, guest question. So I don't know if you know what our guest question is, Matt, but I've you, been so excited. Common... I have no idea. Oh my god. Okay, okay. So it's a very common question. You've probably answered it somewhere else, but I'm very curious. Am I going to get in trouble? You... No, 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 no. With who? I don't know, but I, I I I frequently get in trouble. So, in the words of Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly, uh, I I, I aim to misbehave. Um, so I just I, I need to know if this is something that's going to potentially get me in trouble. I don't think so. No, 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 not at all. So the question is, well, I guess if your answer, if you're answering a specific series for this, maybe, but I don't think so. So the question is, you can drive a lap in any car at any track. What would you pick? Oh. Okay. Uh, this is good. And I, 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 I thought about asking you guys before, so I could, I could mull it over for the whole show if it was particularly tricky and I wish I had now, but I didn't want to spoil myself either. I, I hate spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid, I was super excited to read a book and I, I couldn't, um, I couldn't wait. And I, I jumped to the end and it ruined me forever. It was a book that I was super excited for, but I couldn't wait to get to the end. And I've never done it since, but I should have done it here. Um, I love race cars so much. Every kind of race car I have. There's, there's no race car on planet earth that I don't think is cool. So. Hey, you can take your truck out there if you want. We've had a Kia Soul as an answer before. Oh, you yeah. can take your it truck out there everywhere for a lap. It does not have to be but, a race car. By the way, here's the other cool thing too, right? Going back to this this thing about the era of racing that we live in, that we, we're now doing wacky shit. We we, 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 we finally in real life are going to take uh, the MX-5 Cup to Martinsville, right? So like once upon a time, right. a really yeah. wacky answer would be, I would love to drive a, a Miata at Martinsville because that'll never happen for her. <laughs> Here we so, are. <laughs> And that's yeah. happening. So the craziest thing that I did on iRacing once, because I I just I I like to try different cars on different tracks. So like like I put a tour type modified on a dirt track, <laughs> and back then you couldn't change out the wheels, so I just kind of spun in circles. I was like, man, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a, a pavement modified to a dirt track, and that was stupid. Um, oh, gosh. oh gosh, this this is so challenging because. 
I would probably say some I, I think my 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 favorite underrated race car is a crown car, champ car, silver crown, USAC silver crown car. And I I I I had very limited racing experience. So it's even so hard for me to say, well, I think this car is a cool racing car. I ran go-karts, bandoleros, and legends before I had to go get a real job as a teenager. So I have some racing mm-hmm. experience. But so I, I understand what it means to, to feel the thrill of a race car. And I've done track days too. I've gone out to uh, what used to be called Miller Motorsports Park. And I've, I've done a track day um, in various sports cars there. I've driven a uh, a, um, a Ferrari California uh, through oh, the wow. Joshua Tree National Forest. So like I have like real cool car experience. And so I, I always try to like weigh this from the standpoint of, I've raced and I've driven cool cars. Um, I do not know because I can just you sit here. You don't know. I don't. I don't because I just think, I think race cars are so unbelievably cool. And I don't want to dis, discount anything. Bro's going to um, have to come honestly, on for a fourth time to answer the question. <laughs> honestly, this is probably the most Matt Weaver answer ever, though, because you're like, you love all of racing. You have all of it. You can't just pick one. You can't pick a favorite child. Bro, I'm right? no. so track curious yet. what your answer would be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite track? Do you want to go that far or no? No, this is this is the, no. Oh, I, I wish I, I I'm talking about sabotaging the race show or the, the, the show, well, right? Like I um it was all a ploy for you to come back for a fourth time, I guess, right? That's right. Uh yeah. I think that's fine if you want to do that. No. No, no, no. The the if if we've listened to uh, an hour plus of this podcast, you deserve. You, we all deserve my answer. The only way I can think of this is is that as a as a child, I remember falling in love with race cars. Um, I know how how I want to answer this, and it's purely. It's not even because I think it's cool. I just think that it's um, it's it's kind of a. Uh, a very like wholesome heartfelt kind of answer for me. My earliest memories of being at a racetrack was like, not even like, I don't remember this, but like, I know I was at a racetrack as far as like six months old when my dad was racing, he's racing again, but my dad was racing at all these uh, Gulf coast dirt tracks, uh, LA raceway, lower Alabama raceway, um, Alamiss speedway, Alabama, Mississippi, and I have very vague memories of that, but I fell in love with racing. And I thought racing was such a huge part of, of the cultural identity of everyone's life. Cause it's what I did. I just thought everyone went to the racetrack on Saturday nights. Cause that's what my dad did is that I want to race because my dad's racing again. He spent like 15 years, not racing and he's racing again. And he's running like uh, the, the divisions called pure stock. I want to race a pure stock with my dad at whatever racetrack he's racing at, because I don't spend, I'm actually getting really teary. I think about this. I do not spend a lot of time with my dad as much anymore because my dad works weekdays and I work weekends. And so he's free. I'm on the road. I live in North Carolina. He lives in Alabama. I do not spend as much time with my dad as I would like to. And so I would love to go, 
even if I'm not racing, if you're asking me, what do I want to race? I want to, I want to race one of his cars with him at a racetrack he's racing at. And I think that would be like the coolest oh, thing in the world to be a, hmm. a full circle kind of moment because I oh. fell in love with racing because of my dad racing. And so I want to go back to full circle that and race with him because my dad's the reason that I, I, I do racing. That's a beautiful answer. And the famous words From of not Steve knowing, Harvey, good answer. It took me a long <laughs> time to get there. From, from, from not knowing on the gay racing podcast. Love to see it. <laughs> oh, that's the awesome. The gay racing podcast so, where we make men cry. That's right. <laughs> this is the way to, to tease this like on Twitter. Be like, you know, listen all the way through the gay racing podcast to uncover what makes Matt Weaver cry. <laughs> That's a hell of a teaser. Got to do that. That's a good. Uh, that's a good teaser. So, uh, real quick, where can people find you? Let our listeners know where they can find more of you. I'm still trying to figure that out. So we we we, we finalized the deal with Sports Not. So um, I'm full time there. Super excited. Super grateful to have a partnership with someone who who buys into what I what I'm trying to work on. I'm still trying to finalize making short track scene viable. That's been my, my 12 year labor of love. Um, my dirt track stuff is at dirt tracker and, um, I'm a, I'm a social media junkie. So I'm on the artist formerly known as Twitter. I'm on threads. I'm on YouTube. I'm on, I'm on all the social media platforms, some version of Matt Weaver media, Matt Weaver RA. I still don't know what to do with that. I'm no longer Matt Weaver RA. Is it Matt Weaver racing aficionado? I, I don't know. I, I need to come up with a new handle, especially since um, I no longer have the blue check mark and it won't be stripped from me because they don't matter anymore. So um, I'm, I'm easy to find. And hopefully um, you can find me eventually on the Gay Racing Podcast within the next year or so, too. <laughs> that's a place I enjoy being at as well. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks so much. We appreciate that. That's that means a lot coming from you, truly. Yeah. Thank you so um, much, Matt. Yeah. Well, with that, we'll take another break. Yeah, we're and gonna talk we'll about talk a little IndyCar Portland. IndyCar. Got some tea. And then yeah, that's about it. Yep. All right. See y'all after the break. Welcome back to the Gay Racing Podcast. It is time to talk about IndyCar. And um I did not watch IndyCar. Didn't yeah. miss anything. No. I'm Sorry, I'm all messed up because I'm like looking at the T because IndyCar is in the T this week. Apparently, this doesn't have its own segment. Yes. Why, Alex? Why is IndyCar because... relegated to the T this week? Because IndyCar was not good. And oh. if you want, if you want to hear my thoughts on it, you can go over to the Grid Network YouTube channel. You can look it up. I uh, am doing stuff over there, and I've been for the past month. You can go check out stuff over there. Uh, talked about all that on their this is on September fourth, September fourth post race show. Check it out. Talked about it there about how IndyCar needs to get their crap together. Basically, uh, flop of the week goes to IndyCar race control. Just disaster, several disasters. The race was not enjoyable, so I decided we're not even going to talk about it. And if you want to hear my thoughts, you can go over to the Grid Network channel yeah. and give them support because. It's a lot of fun over there. How is that? Because we haven't, I don't even know if we've mentioned that, but you are, you know, doing that, getting some more, because you just love talking yeah. and you couldn't, you just couldn't talk enough on the Gay Racing Podcast. You had to go somewhere else to talk as well. Um, Because you love it yeah. so much, just not this week. Um, <laughs> yeah, but how is that week. going? 
I'm yeah curious. so about a month ago now over a month oh my gosh i've Slay. been working Slay over home. there basically what we do here on the podcast it's just like there's videos if you want to see my face while i talk there's video over there and we do live streams and you can watch the streams back we talk about nascar indycar um i host the f1 sections i don't really watch f1 but i know enough about it where i can you know host a segment about it and i like ask host people that. about questions about it okay so yeah it's fun so yeah go check it out um i'm on the uh, be on the weekend shows primarily the post-race pre-race shows so yeah That's it's cool. been a lot of fun but yeah if you want to hear my thoughts on that go there we're not talking about it here i'm that's crazy. One to save time, but two because it just makes me mad, and I'm mad at IndyCar right now. Wow, you know that's. I mean, I listen. All healthy couples fight. All healthy because yeah, like, true. Man, you and IndyCar, I fight. Like, IndyCar, we're a duo. We fight. We're gonna fight in five minutes. Um, IndyCar yeah, has had an amazing season for the most part, or at least yeah. amazing. This races. was the worst race of the year. Portland is kind of a boring track. I I don't mind Portland, but it was just not enjoyable not to watch, and the yeah. and the good racing was not there was not enough good racing to overcome the horrible officiating that happened yeah. in that race. Well, but we'll yeah, talk about Alex Plow winning the we'll talk about Alex Plo winning the championship next week. He won the race at a Japanese then, steakhouse. Ooh, fancy! Yeah, that was nice. So, while we were talking with Matt Weaver earlier, some news came out that Denny Hamlin announced on his podcast that he has re-signed with Joe Gibbs Racing and it is and 2311 will be continuing as is with Toyota and I kind of took a listen to that in, in our little break we took and it sounds like it's a multi-year deal so Denny Hamlin will be there for at least three years would be my assumption and yeah pretty big news the little Ford saga that was a little thing I feel like that was just Denny Hamlin using his leverage saying, Hey, I'm going to, I can go over there if you don't give me what I want. And I'm assuming he got something from Toyota. Yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. Um, I, we talked before how just 2311 going to Ford just wouldn't have been anything good for them. It wouldn't have been good for them. Um, Denny staying you know, at JGR, which there's more than just professional, I think, relationships there. There's a lot of personal relationships too. I'm, you know, yeah. Um, with JD and all, um, so yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm good. To, it's, it's. I think it's a good thing to see, and yeah, I agree. Yeah. And it, it would have been a disaster for Toyota. It would have just been disastrous for Toyota if 2311 left right after Kyle Busch left, and they lose Denny Hamlin. It just would have been all around bad news. And like you said, I think Denny has more ties to the Gibbs family than Kyle Bush did. I mean, Kyle Bush was a longtime driver there. Yeah. But Denny just has more of a relationship and with the family. He's literally spent his entire career. His entire career there. There's very few drivers that could sit, that have never moved teams throughout their career. Jimmy Johnson was one of the few. Denny Hamlin's one of the few because he's just Jeff I mean, Gordon. Just, no. Yeah. It Jeff Gordon doesn't happen no. much. It does not happen much. So, yeah. Big news. So moving over back over to IndyCar. We're new a little more IndyCar, but silly season. Not, silly not talking season. about that race. Um, three driver things here in the T, and then we'll go into our fantasy. First, this is confirmed now. Roman Grosjean is out at Andretti Autosport. 
after this season. We've kind of known about this. Uh, Marcus Erickson is going to replace him there. Uh, the 29 car, we still don't know. It was rumored David Malukas was going to go to that, but that sounds like that's not happening. Uh, Andretti might be downsizing to three cars. So that's some tea for that you, or they might them, not. They're, cons- they're considering it. It's an option. Well, they need cons- um, I'm to assuming the the smart option and downsize three to three cars. <laughs> I agree. And I am assuming that Alex Pillow, that drama with McLaren and going back to staying at Ganassi, I think that has to do with what's going on here. Is I think Malukas was going to go to the 29, but then this came up. Because David Malukas is now reportedly heading to the McLaren 6 car, which is currently driven by Felix Rosenquist. Hmm. What do you think about that, Zach? Hmm. I like that. I think that's a good fit. Right? He and Pato are going to get along so well. The social team is going to have a field day with those two. I know, right? Oh my gosh. They're going to... That's a good fit. That's a good fit for David, Lil Dave. Lil Dave. Are we really calling him I think him that'll that? be a lot of fun. Are we really calling yeah. him Lil... Mm. He says that when he wins a race, he'll be Big Dave, which I think that's worse. <laughs> I like that. Big Dave. You, you like that? Big Dave? Yeah. All right. And then I mentioned Felix Rosenquist as well. Last little bit of tea here. He says he has an announcement on his future within the next week. <laughs> No Which one cares. One. <laughs> no one cares. Clap so if you care. Mean. Clap if you care. This that boy has so done mean. nothing. He's won two races. Two? I think so. Or one. I think it, is it just one? Road is America and Mid Ohio, I think. Oh, he won. Did he won two? I don't remember. But, Didn't he hold yeah. off Scott Dixon at Mid Ohio? Or did I make that up? I I don't remember. But don't Felix remember. Rosenquist. Not going to be at McLaren next year, it sounds. I believe the rumor is, and I've this is from Marshall Pruitt, and I don't think anyone else said this, but it sounds like it'll be Myers Shank Racing alongside Tom Blomquist. But we don't know what that means for Simon Paginode. I know what that means. Who is not finishing the rest of the season. I think we can assume what that means, but I don't want to say we know it, because I don't like that. But, um... Yeah, so I think you're going to see two quists over at Meyer Shank Racing. Oh, that's good. Meyer Quist Racing. That's yeah. good. Blomquist and Rosen. That's that's good. What nationality and is they... Tom Blomquist? Is he from Switzerland? I think he's just the UK. He's right? from the UK? Really? I think so. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what <laughs> he looks me on like, the spot. to be honest. I don't, I don't remember what he looks like, to be honest. Tom Blomquist, British. Oh. Ooh, yeah. Tom! Blomquist. I know. Wait a minute. He looks yeah. good. I like him. I like oh, him. Your microphone just glitched. Do you still hear me? Oh my god, this sounds awful. I hope y'all didn't just hear what I just heard. Alex was really a demonic robot overlord talking to me about Tom Blomquist. It's like Tom, like it's like Tom. Bl- that was the that was the omen. There's something with Meyer ma- Shank next year that's not going to be good because that was a bad too many quiz. Too many, many quiz. I just I hope y'all didn't hear that, or if you did hear it, you you didn't hear it because I edited edit edited it out. Edited it. My brain's obviously right. just done. I can't. 
Yeah, it's been a it's been a long day. I have been on Zoom calls or whatever since like eleven thirty this morning. What so, have you been doing? Um, Jesus Christ! Who are you signing to your race team? Alex Pillow? Grid <laughs> Network stuff. I did oh, Grid Network geez, stuff from eleven. I was like two hours, and then I had a little break. I forgot today's Monday. Yeah, we had a NASCAR so, race last night, didn't we? We sure did, and we have a NASCAR race and an IndyCar race to predict for Gay Racing Podcast Fantasy. I got the point in both races. I got the win in IndyCar. It like, is now twenty to five in IndyCar. Yeah, twenty-one to sixteen in NASCAR. Yeah, you're losing ground in NASCAR now. I thought you were to say I'm losing ground in IndyCar. Like I give a f- oh, um, the NASCAR thing was purely bad luck. I made a really great that pick, was. and then mm-hmm. once again I had bad luck. I, yeah, so, yeah. That's it. That's yeah. all I got to say about that. I'm ready to make my pick. Wait, no, I'm not. Where's the chat? All right. Yeah, we're still using Zooms. We don't know what we're doing. So, yeah, NASCAR is at Kansas. Next week, we'll have Jackson Todd again joining us after Kansas. Yes. That'll be a lot of fun. I'm so excited for this race. This is probably the best track on the calendar right now. I'm very, very ready. Yeah. All right. You ready? Yep. All right. Three, two, one. Oh, we both picked Danny Hamlin. Occur. Okay. Well, I got my second pick lined up. Okay. I'm ready. Three, two, one. And, oh, okay. We swapped our picks from Watkins Glen. I'm picking Kyle Larson and you're picking Tyler Reddick. That's a good pick. Yep. Reddick's a good pick. I think he'll be fast. I, I was actually really impressed with how he ran at Darlington. Me too. Um, Larson will clear. I think Reddick probably would have won this race last year in the eight cars. So keep an eye on, out on Kyle Busch. He could randomly show up too. But Larson, yeah. I mean, he got redemption over the first Darlington yesterday. I'm, here's the thing. Kyle Larson's just my good luck charm. Because... Bros got me so many wins in fantasy before, and I feel like we're having very similar seasons. Mm. So that's a that's true. You are you kind of getting you kind of lost a lot of wins. I gotta ride this. I'm gonna ride that five car right now. See, I wanted to go with Denny first. I had a feeling though you're gonna also pick him, but I gotta ride this five car right right now at least. So there, we'll we'll have to see how this goes. Hopefully. Hopefully he goes two for two. Thing about Denny though, this reminds me a lot of I want to say it was 2012 at New Hampshire, um, when he went and won New Hampshire after something bad happening at Chicago the week before. Then he called a shot at New Hampshire and he won. He won New Hampshire. So, th- right. I I feel like Denny. I don't know if he said this on his podcast. I haven't listened to it, of course, but I don't know if he's calling a shot this week. But right. li- I think he needs to because. He needs to. All right. And now we have one more IndyCar race on the year. The season Thank finale at Laguna God. Seca. Thank God. Please let it end. Just yeah, let it 20 end. 20-5, to five, as I said. It's been a rough season for Zach. After this, it'll be over. Got one more round of Finally. picks for you this year, Zach. Are you Finally, ready? Finally, it'll be over. I'm ready. I got my 20 points. So I'm happy with whatever happens. Sure. All right. Three, two, one. So I'm okay. We both tied with Alex Pillow. Okay. Cool. Yep. 
Pelot's going to win this race. Come on now. It, I feel like he's it's it's all the pressure's off. Too. He's yeah. just going to have extra think, fun. Yeah. All right, I got my second pick lined up. Me too. All right, three, two, one. Oh, okay. Who won here last year? Oh, by oh, Alex so I'm Pillow. picking Scott Dixon, and then um, you're picking Colton Herta. Yes, I didn't know uh, who to pick. I literally just went by championship order. <laughs> I did not care. You think I'm? I I don't care. I almost thought about trolling and picking Benjamin Peterson. I thought about that, but oh, I man. didn't want to be like rude. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could pick anyone. For the past few weeks, it's been over, but you wanted to try making it closer, but that just never happened. I feel bad I for you. I don't get. I don't have luck. I mean, if you get a win, you'll get what eight points. You get up to eight. That yeah, would be nice. Be, that would, that wouldn't look bad. It would yeah, look, but right bad. right now, it, I I we've had how what sixteen races, and I've only beat you in three of them. Like that's insane. Yeah. That's insanely bad luck. That's not good. Not I'm good. going with Colton Herta because Herta still hasn't gotten that random race he dominates, but I feel like that's still going to be below. See, that's what I said about Pato. Pato Award and Colton Herta both are about to have a winless season. McLaren as a whole has not won a race. McLaren's such a flop. Ale- Alexander Rossi, I thought, would have a Washed. much better season. He has not had that. Washed. All right. So oh, yeah, we should have talked about IndyCar, week, so I could talk about how washed New Garden was. Ooh, anyways, um, that, maybe that's another reason we're talking about it. Maybe. That's... So, and by the way, and by the way, Joseph came back to finish fifth after having a lap one issue in turn one. He still that's finished like Pelot's worst finish of the season. This fifth, I don't want to hear Pelot's worst finish of the year is eighth. But anyway, <laughs> I'm gonna hit you. <laughs> I don't even think you're wrong. <laughs> is eighth Pelot's worst finish of the year is eighth? Is eighth? No. Oh. Yeah. Are you serious? This man has not missed the top 10. It's ridiculous. It's insane. It's insane. This might be the best IndyCar season of all time. It's gotta be up there. I don't think. Anyways, um, reviews. So, yeah, so last week we asked you guys, hey, if you leave a review on Apple, we'll, we'll read it at the end of an episode. And one of you guys did. Thank you so much to Tom O'Sander. And Yo, I'll read it to you. I'll say why I'm laughing. You read I'll it? say why I'm like, I do you want I'll read it. I get to read you it. You want to read it? Of course yeah. I want to read it. <laughs> All right. From Tom Osander. Did I say his name right? Osander? Tom Osander? Yeah. I hope I did. I don't know why I asked you like you know the guy personally, but <laughs> I would assume that's right. If it's not Tom, let us know. Yeah, let us Leave know, another Tom. review. We love you, Tom. Tom Osander says, A breath of fresh air. Really enjoy these guys and they know their stuff. Definitely NASCAR heavy. Sorry. Sorry, I know. <laughs> I get it. We get it. But that's cool. There is a fair bit of IndyCar, and F1 gets a decent nod, too. A decent nod? I don't fair... know, but... He had a race this week. We didn't even talk about them. I think that's a, that is Ferrari a decent Ferrari almost sabotaged themselves. That, that, that was really funny. They should have a bigger following. T. T. Come True. on, folks. Listen up. Period. Tom... Tom's gets slay of the week because that was literally he literally kind of encapsulated what we're about for real NASCAR centric so much Tom fair bit of IndyCar fair bits a little bit underselling it I think it's because IndyCar sometimes we like this episode we prioritize a NASCAR rather than an IndyCar kind of gets yeah. the backseat a lot 
which I I get it. F one getting a decent nod that made me laugh when I read it. A decent like nod. we don't even talk about it. A decent nod that's really but, funny. But yeah, if you want us to read your review, we'll read it at the end of one of these episodes. Thank you so yeah. much for all the support. It has to be on Apple. It has to be on Apple, yeah. Just because, just because uh, they actually do written reviews over there. Spotify leave a five star review over there too, but they don't have like written reviews over there. Yeah, please. Like, let's have a streak. Like, can we have two episodes in a row where we have a new review? Can we? Ha- can we keep a streak so going? Because listen, if we don't have a new review next week, I'm well. I'm. You should feel guilty. I want to make y'all feel so guilty about it. Oh, they didn't read off a review. I feel so bad. Why didn't I write a review? I, that, that's going to be you guys. Come that's going to be. And then once we get a streak built up, then it's going to be even more pressure to not let that stop. Yeah. You guys so, got to take turns. It doesn't even have to be long. It could be something short and funny. Yeah. Like, you could just be like, LOL, this is gay. Five LOL, stars. Zach like, really sucks at fantasy. <laughs> you know, there's an old review from like two years ago that says Zach laughs at everything he says. Four stars. And, uh, at everything I say, yeah. Four stars? Wait. <laughs> you knocked, you lost us a star, Zach. How could you? Holy. That's really. Uh, well, it's from like, it's from like two years ago. I thought it was funny, though. That's no, that anyway, is funny. I, I obviously I think it's funny. So. <laughs> Well, it's because you're hilarious. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I have to laugh. I'm so funny. I'm the funniest person. Yeah. You are. You literally yeah. are. Yeah, I know. Like what Matt Weaver All said right. earlier. You're right. Oh, I know. That's why I said it. <laughs> that was so good. So you can follow us uh, on social media everywhere at Gay Racing Pod. Follow me at GP. Was I tweeting good over? I don't even know what I was tweeting over the weekend. I barely watched the races. Um. I was trying to be funny when the uh when the lights went out. I was like, just turn the lights back on. Duh. Yeah. Duh. Follow, just turn follow, them on. Follow Alex <laughs> at New Gaiden. Um there's a new Splatoon season. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's in the T. That was in the T. That was there is a new Splatoon. I got season. so messed up when I was reading the T because I'm like, where's the IndyCar segment? I think you explained it's to not, me that I, IndyCar was in the T. Did I listen? Nope. I did explain that. That is true. I did do that, but I well, did. I did remove a lot of stuff yeah. from it later. But. Well, we will be back next week to talk about NASCAR at Kansas. You're going, of course, and Jackson will be with yep. us. Um, you won't watch IndyCar because IndyCar is on at the same time. Because of course it is. I don't care about F1. I'll be asleep. Um, I'll be somewhere different next week. I'll be at my my sister's house because I will not be in this house. <gasps> Ooh, what a milestone! That's exciting. This is exciting. It's the last episode in this room. Aww. Oh my god! Oh well, this is where anyways. it all started for you. That's Actually, crazy. this is not where it started. It started in my college apartment. That's true. That is true. Never when mind. you th- when you said, "Oh, our anniversary is this week, isn't it?" We should mention that mm-hmm. before we get off, even though no one's yeah, listening. We... Still. <laughs> we did mention it earlier, but yeah, three years. Oh, you did mention it. Three years, yeah. Zach. Yeah, I was. I remember crazy. being at my desk it's in my been, college for um, for us in real life. That was like four hours ago. So I get why you'd forget that. Oh, it was four hours ago. Anyways, y'all, we're gonna get off. Bye. Bye.